Thanks, thanks, Grant. Uh, I'm delighted to be here this morning. As ground supervisor at Covenant, uh, I'm thankful to have the opportunity to work with an amazing crew. Uh, we have an excellent staff and a fantastic crew of student workers. Um, and we have the privilege of working in God's creation, uh, experiencing his handiwork firsthand. Um, before I get started, I'd like to pray. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the gift of your word. We pray that as we look into these passages, that you will encourage us through the examples in your creation that point us to the work that you're doing in us, in the body of Christ. Please bless this time that you would be glorified as we explore this imagery in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as Grant said, a little, back, a little bit of a background about me. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee in a Christian home. Uh, I... I uh, came to know the Lord at an early age through the influence of my mother and through a, a children's ministry called Child Evangelism Fellowship. My father became a Christian uh, around the same time, and um, uh, we, from that point on, through his leading, uh, we our family journeyed together in a walk with the Lord. Uh, when I went to college, I had planned to follow my father's footsteps as an electrical engineer. However, those plans changed significantly when just after Thanksgiving in my freshman year, he suddenly passed away of an, of an aortic aneurysm. I thought that happened. Um, obviously, this was an event that would greatly impact my future and which the Lord would use to shape my, shape, in many ways, to shape who I am today. By God's providence, I ended up majoring in horticulture at Auburn. Uh, again, where I earned my undergrad degree, and after working in the landscape industry and serving uh, in both youth ministry and at Mission to the World, um, I went on to seminary and earned, earned a Master's of Arts in Biblical Studies at RCS. I never dreamed I'd work in a place where I would utilize both degrees, um, but eight years ago, we moved to Lookout Mountain to take this job at Covenant, and, um, and it's been an amazing to see God's word come to life in the work that we do here. My wife Deborah and I met not long after we graduated from seminary, and we're married a year later. And of course, we have three, our three children are nine and a half, um, eight, and five, Catherine, Ron, and William. For several years now, people have been encouraging me to do a talk or a Bible study on agricultural imagery in Scripture. There are a number of these themes which are carried all throughout Scripture in the Old and New Testament. Of course, time only permits me to touch on a few this morning, but my desire is that you will leave here today with a greater appreciation of this imagery in Scripture and how it pertains to the work of Christ in our lives. Scripture uses themes of trees and vines to represent the people of God, namely the nation of Israel and the body of Christ, particularly with regards to the fruit that they produce. Throughout scripture, Israel is, is referred to as a vine. And in the Old Testament prophetic literature, it's referred to as a rebellious and degenerate vine. And it's warned of being cut off for its persistent sin and wickedness. However, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we see God's promise that from the plant that is cut off, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I'll be touching on several scripture passages, but if you have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, we'll be spending most of our time in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken in you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, will bear, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus says that he is the true vine, his listeners would have made the connection to this analogy of Israel and of the root of Jesse, the promised Messiah. Again, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Leon Morris, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, points out that of the I am statements in John's Gospel, this is the only one with a predicate, my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is making the connection that the father, uh, with the father, and that they are at work together for the same purpose, that is, to produce fruit. In verse 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. This passage is not about falling away. The emphasis of this passage is on bearing fruit. Morris points out that, in a, that the fruitfulness of a vineyard is not simply desirable, it's imperative. <clears throat> That's the whole point of the vineyard. In fact, Ezekiel 15 points out that vines are not good for much else. Even the wood is not good for timber. Again, the purpose of a vineyard is to produce fruit. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, the Father, who is the vine dresser, is intent on producing fruit in our lives. Well, what is this fruit? In Galatians 5, and 23, Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This spiritual fruit is contrasted in the previous verses of the same chapter with a lengthy list of the deeds of the flesh. Our focus today, however, is on the fruit of the Spirit. Note that fruit is singular. Somehow, all of these attributes are part of that fruit that the Father is working to produce in our lives. Remember, producing fruit is imperative. He will make it happen. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 1 that he who began a good work in us will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Also in, the, also in this imagery, this fruit is not for us. It's for others to taste and enjoy and be nourished. How is this fruit produced in the body of Christ? Well, back to the analogy of the vine. This fruit is produced through the process of intentional pruning and cultivating of the vine. Why pruning? Pruning encourages healthy growth habits and hardy structure of the plant. It's essential for the overall health of the plant and for better fruit production. Unproductive branches must be removed so the plant may direct nutrients to vibrant branches. The gardener removes these smaller branches so that the other branch, uh, brother branches may receive more nutrients and bear, bear fruit. Pruning always produces a wound, but it's directed and precise. And if done with proper care, the plant will recover beautifully and will be stronger and healthier as a result. 
Likewise, with the Father's work in our lives, our own unproductive branches or deeds of the flesh must be removed for the development of our own spiritual fruit. This does not mean that he's removing us from the vine, but that with care and precision, he is removing the parts that are harmful to us or that don't bear fruit. In fruit production, wayward or crossing branches must be removed early so they do not cause damage to the plant uh, or become dominant leaders. If ignored, these undesirable branches will grow and become larger and more substantial. The longer they're ignored, the more difficult they will be to remove and the more significant the wound will be. Similarly, ignoring patterns, sinful patterns in our lives today will allow them to continue to grow and mature. And if not removed, they will remain in our lives and affect our relationships with our spouses, our families, coworkers, etc. We must surrender every area of our lives to his pruning and training in order to bear fruit. Hebrews, <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not joyful but sorrowful, and yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Another reason for pruning is to develop stronger branches and a healthy structure. Strong winds and ice will often cause branches to break off in a storm. Prior removal of weaker branches will reduce potential risk and help the remaining branches become stronger, increasing their ability to weather the storms. When damage does occur, corrective pruning must follow in order to ensure survival and to restore healthy growth. A few years ago, there was an ice storm on campus that caused significant damage to several trees uh, around the campus. Some of the trees right outside the chapel uh, had some large branches to snap off under the heavy ice load. And one even lost part of its central leader near the top of the tree. We had to bring in trained arborists to climb the trees and to prune the broken branches back to a place where the trees could recover properly. Today, these trees are doing well and there's very little evidence that the event even took place. When we experience the painful storms of life, our Heavenly Father is there to do His work and bring about healing. This is necessary and essential for healing and renewal. Fruitfulness not only comes from the corrective pruning of the Master Gardener, but it also comes as a direct result of abiding in Him. Back to John chapter 15. In verses 4 and 5 of our text, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do, no, you can do nothing. So what does it mean to abide in him? It means to be united with Christ through prayer and through his word. Although not specifically referred to in this passage, we get a better understanding of this when we look at the process of grafting in fruit production. When plants are grafted together, a branch with unique characteristics is cut off from its original root and joined together to a stronger, more established plant, or what we call the root stock. Both plants must be cut 
to establish its connection, but ultimately the grafted branch receives its nourishment and everything it needs to live from the rootstock. The bark of the plants are literally fused together and the branch receives nutrients from the rootstock as it becomes part of that plant. In the same way, we are grafted into Christ. Apart from him, we can receive no nourishment and therefore cannot produce fruit. Although scripture doesn't make this connection directly, it's interesting to note that he also was wounded so that we may be united with him. In our lives, spiritual nourishment is provided primarily through prayer and meditation on his word. John 7 mentions, I'm sorry, as John mentions in verse 7 of this passage, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. In fruit production, trees are grafted onto a stronger rootstock, and they will grow to the size and shape of that rootstock. For example, a Fuji apple grafted onto the rootstock of a 25-foot tree will grow to be a 25 feet. Likewise, grafted onto a 6- to 8-foot tree will only grow to be 6- to 8 feet. These grafted branches will take on the shape of that rootstock, and the result is that they will grow to bear the image of that rootstock while remaining, while main, still maintaining their specific variety. As we abide in him, we begin to resemble him while also producing fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, etc., yet with our own unique characteristics. We have a family tradition. Each fall, we like to go apple picking at Mercier Orchards in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And we like to refer to this as the, it's the Disney World of orchards. <laughs> they have over 100,000 trees on 300 acres, and they grow over 50 varieties of apples. They're open from apple, for apple picking from August through October. And we love the late season varieties, Fuji's and Honeycrisp and Ambrosia and others. All of these, in essence, are apples. But each variety has its own unique color and smell and taste. And isn't it wonderful that there's a difference? The body of Christ, we too, I'm passionate about this, we too bear that fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, and yet in ways that are unique to each of us. And isn't it wonderful that there's a difference? <clears throat> As a gardener, Sorry. As a gardener is intimately at work in us, pruning out those unproductive areas in our lives, training and forming us, we are abiding in him through prayer and scripture. Well, I'm sorry. Um, and as we are abiding in him through prayer and in scripture, that fruit is born. But remember, that process takes time. Psalm 1 talks to the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. In this image, the tree is firmly planted. Its roots are established by streams of water, constantly providing nourishment, yielding its fruit in season. Some, some fruit trees, they take more than 10 years to be, even begin producing fruit let alone abundant fruit. In fact, there are some varieties of plants that, that will only bloom even every 100 years. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever it does, he prospers. 
It's constantly sustained by the vine or root, and it results in a bountiful harvest. And remember that this fruit is not for us. It's for others to enjoy. We must be patient as the Father is working in us, not to expect fruit too quickly. Some seasons seasons are bountiful. Others are dry and difficult. It may take several seasons of growth to produce this fruit. Remember also that the master gardener is intent on producing lasting fruit in our lives. Be confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not by the work that we do, but by the work of the Father on our behalf. As the body of Christ, we are all connected to the true vine, and we bear fruit for others to enjoy by surrendering all the areas of our lives to him, and only by abiding in him through prayer and through his word are we able to flourish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your continuing work in our lives and your commitment to pruning and training us so that we will bear fruit. Help us, Lord, to surrender all areas of our lives to your work so that we as a collective body of Christ may bear abundant fruit for others to enjoy. Lord, we pray these in Jesus' name. Thank you.